When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the War Report. All aboard the AM departure from platform 334, the Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. Uh, Cleveland Brown, appreciate you being with us. He says, people have been giving Mike G the side eye since he had Holden as his number one, yet here we are on the cusp of possibly lowering those brows. Let the best QB win for them, Eagle. Mike, do you want to address that here or wait? No, let's wait. Let's wait. We'll, we'll wait. Okay. Yeah, we'll get to that. We will definitely discuss that. Uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9 says, going to be hilarious to watch some fans lose their mind if Thorne doesn't win the job. It's okay to trust the coaches. More on that as well. Hugh Freeze met with media after Auburn's first scrimmage uh, yesterday morning that was conducted yesterday morning. And of course, he was asked various questions. Uh, Mike, we'll get into some of the questions you asked him about running backs. Uh, We don't have any any clips of those, uh, but we'll get let's just start with the quarterback. Uh, conversation. Um, and it, it sparked a lot of debate, which led to uh, some people going at Mike because of some of his tweets uh, based off of intel that he had from that scrimmage. Let's get to the first one and we'll be right back to discuss it. Take care of the ball and, you know, play within the offense and get and take what you should take on a given play that the ball goes in the right spot. Hopefully, it's accurate, and when we do throw it, and but accuracy, you know, hopefully will come even. But we got to take care of the ball, and we have to be playing in the right space on on given plays in our offense. And I thought all three did that fairly well today. And you know, I know Robbie threw a touchdown pass, and I think Holden did also. Uh, Peyton did not had two, and um, I can't see from where I'm standing out on the field. The official ruled the receiver out of bounds, I think, both times. But uh, um, but they they all – we did not turn the ball over. That's, uh, that's priority number one in offensive football, and so that was, that was good. Obviously, defensively, we need to go get it. But I thought all three uh, looked, uh, looked good at times today. Uh, yesterday, I had my mind made up. 
And after today, I, I need to watch the film before I, I, uh, I say. So those were Hugh Freeze's comments about QB. Let's just start overall with his assessment of the QB room. Something I mentioned to Mike G offline that I'll, I'll bring it to the entire group here. He was pleased with just the play of the QB room overall. And I know it's just one scrimmage. Uh, fall camp just started not too long ago. But it seems to me, just based off of his comments, regardless of the quarterback, it seems like he's pleased with the floor perhaps being raised, It's is what it seems like. Your initial assessment, I'll start with you, Ike, on that. What is it, What did you take from his comments? Um, that everyone had an acceptable day at quarterback, right? Like, I think that he was able to find good things about all of the quarterbacks. I'll get to, I think we want to talk about the second portion of his comments separately, so I won't dive into that one too firmly. I'll, we'll just talk about the performance portion. Um, I think it was good that he had confidence that QBs kind of understood what they needed to do, taking care of the football. He said that they did that uh, really well during this uh, scrimmage. So I think that Coach Freeze liked what he saw out of the quarterback position and feels good of all three of the gentlemen in the room. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in scrimmage number two now because I think scrimmage number two just got a lot more interesting than I think even Coach Freeze thought scrimmage number two was going to be because of the results of what happened in scrimmage number one. Be will your your thoughts, and of course I'll pivot to Mike G to to give his take on this as well. But your thoughts about Hugh Freeze's comments towards the end of that that clip about thinking that he had his mind made up in terms of where he wants to go. Hugh Freeze has been very vocal about or he's talked about wanting to start off with three guys. Uh, he already alluded to the fact that Hank is a young kid who's probably not going to have an opportunity to get first team reps. So it was going to be Gurner, Ashford, Thorne. And it's, he wanted to narrow it down to two. And it seems like he had his mind made up in terms of who those two would be. Doesn't seem like he's so sure today, as it, or at least yesterday, prior to watching film. What do you make of that? The first thing is I'm glad that what actually happens in front of him can change his con preconceptions about what he thought it was going to be. That's important for anybody who is in leadership, especially in this type of job. Don't get locked into what you think. What are they showing you? What's happening on the field? Between the lines, whoever you thought was going to be your number one wasn't your number one. That's new information. Somebody balled out. Practice is different from the game. By all accounts, T.J. Finley was the most practice warrior, get him in line, coach, all that stuff. But when the game started, he was turning the ball over. So we're done with that. We need something different. That was new information, and it should have been taken into account. It sounds like, sounds like, without him saying any names, he had Thorne one or two, and he might not anymore. And that's just me guessing. I don't know what that pecking order would be from Hugh Freeze, but he hasn't told us that yet. But when you say that um, one guy was the only guy who didn't throw a touchdown, okay? Now, I do realize that there were apparently some very close um, touchdowns, just out of bounds, that type of thing. But it doesn't surprise me that Robbie Ashford, being as hungry as we know he is, was, was going to make this a real competition. Because he's hungry and he's ready. And the same thing for Holden Gurner. 
I think both of those guys know that with a new regime, they don't have a lot of, like, I don't know, they aren't the number one picks for NFL franchise where you invested this capital and all that stuff, so they're going to give you some years. Like, they don't have that. They have to be exceptional to kind of climb the, the depth chart in his head. And what I'm hearing is they actually did that with their performance. That's what it sounds like to me. I actually thought kind of the opposite. When you said that potentially his comments might mean that he had Thorne in the top two and maybe now he's number three. I actually think that he it might have been the opposite. He had Holden at number three and now he's considering pushing him up higher into the top two. Now, I don't know where that means that Peyton Thorne sits or Robbie Ashford sits in that hierarchy, but I, I think that maybe... He in his mind he was thinking it was a Thorn and Ashford race, and now he's like, well, maybe I need to go give another look to to this Holden kid and see if he could potentially be one of my first two. But that's that's kind of where I was I was thinking too. Mike, jump in here, man. Uh, you you've had some thoughts. Yeah, look. So if you go back to spring and you look at Q Free, every time he was asked about a player, I haven't coached these guys. I have to assess these guys. I've got to mm. look into these guys, right? And so after he did, we saw that his, uh, I wouldn't even say his mind changed. I think he was just kind of alerted to the fact that there's more talent on this team than he believed. He said it about DeMar Austin. He was like, man, we overlooked him. He's a really good back. Who did we hear about Saturday? Busted loose for touchdowns? DeMar Austin. So coming into this, you had two guys who were the knowns, and then you brought in a guy. Right? He said, I thought I had my mind made up. Conventional wisdom would tell you that the guy that he brought in and the guy who started a bunch of games last year were the prime candidates probably for one and two. Somebody had to play well enough or bad enough to change that the perception. Since he said they all took care of the ball, all we are left to assume is somebody who was in third played well enough to be considered first or second. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's what we took from his comments. And my assumption is, is that it's holding. There are some who think that it's Robbie that's putting a wrench in it, but we're ta- he, we're not talking about the starter right now. We're talking about the top two. He right. was supposed to narrow it down to two. He's got three quarterbacks vying for this, and he was supposed to narrow it down to two. So yesterday, what, what I when I tweeted it out, it was it was it was primarily about how they finished in that scrimmage. Right. Now, you have to remember that it's about a whole body of work as well, too. Some people are saying, well, oh, Mike, he's not going to lose it in, 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 in one scrimmage. And I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is, who's to say that this scrimmage wasn't a microcosm that's hap- about what's happened in the first week of camp? So two of them, like what I've consistently been hearing, I, I'm going to stick to the positive here. What I've consistently been hearing th- toward camp is that Holden Garner, Gurner, 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 <laughs> Holden Gurner has stepped up. He's playing well. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. It's a great thing that he's making it a harder decision for this right. coach in my book. So when the scrimmage hit, I was, ah, that's consistent with what we've been hearing all camp. He's been doing great. <laughs> right, right. And if you're having a real competition, all the people, all the we paid too much money for Thorn people, please sit down. 
This is a part of this, I think, that makes this more complicated for coaches. The investment? No, you got you still got to play the best guy. Right. Who cares? What sense does it make just because you paid him money to come here to play him if he's not better than the other two guys in the room? That's right. right. It doesn't, it doesn't right. help him at all. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help you either, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> so if he's better than, he, than you thought he was, just like you said Damari was better than you, than you realized, and all the information we have, you can only assume, and it doesn't mean that somebody is, is bad either. <laughs> we don't know that yet. We just don't know that. Now, right. they all protected right. the football Caesar, but it, it should be noted that Thorne had reportedly at least two would-be touchdown passes that were dropped. Right? And, and, and I don't have all the information on how those passes were thrown or what happened. Like, Freeze kind of described it. They were called out of bounds. Or, yeah, right, I think there right. was one of them that was an actual drop, like the, mm-hmm. the receiver didn't catch it. And then there were two other throws where, or at least one other throw where the person wasn't in bounds when they caught it. So when it they just, caught it. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, But we don't know whether that was on the quarterback or the receiver. Correct. Right. Uh, and hold, can, can we can we give some clarity to this as well? None of us were actually at the scrimmage. Nobody. No media watched the scrimmage. Right. No media watched so the scrimmage. Everything we're talking about is secondhand reporting from people who we know that were actually there. Yeah. But right. sa- but same with everybody else who's reporting. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. like people are trying to make it seem as if we're generating our own narratives about this. I can only tell you what I was told. That's it. Yeah, That's all yeah. I have is somebody said this happened, this happened, this happened, Just like and this was person. assessment. Yeah, but but same for right. on three and two four seven. Correct. Right. Yes, same for the next person. Yeah, right. is, yeah. But my pro- my point is on three two four seven. Right, none of those people are getting backlash for what they're for telling what they were told. We're the only yeah. ones that all of a sudden have an agenda behind repeating. Yeah, well, I don't know what the agenda would be in just saying one guy's playing better than we thought. Like, uh, I mean, there isn't one, but apparently well, people well, like which to is make literally, that Which is literally the only point, right? One guy's well, playing better than we let's, thought. Let's do this, too. Just because we report that someone had a good scrimmage is not our endorsement of that kid that we're yeah, rooting for. Like, we're who for knows? whoever it just wins happened. the job. I right? said I thought Thorne was going to win the job. I've been saying it consistently for like you have. months. We right? all have, yeah. for the most now, part. But—, but uh, you know, Brian made the point earlier, you know, in, in his soliloquy, when he's talking about, you know, this coach has shown an ability to be able to check his own biases and reassess when necessary. Yeah. I think that's a really important quality in a coach and a leader. Uh, so I, I just want to stress that point. Brian made like you can't you have to be able to say. Eh, this guy's the high hand. This is kind of what me and Ike would get into it about tank last year. Sometimes I just felt like Jarquez was playing better. You know, and it doesn't mean that Tank was playing bad. I was just like, man, maybe we should split the reps a little bit more here. Or we should keep him in a little bit longer. I don't think there was a real right or wrong to that discussion. Both those guys are great. <laughs> right. So if we can stay in the maybe, this QB room is way better because we assumed that Thor, Thor, Thorn raised his floor. What kills me in this discussion is, is that fans don't, it's like they don't believe that the other two guys could have raised their floor as well. They had a whole spring. Well, so that that's the other <laughs> thing that we, that every everyone's forgetting to consider. 
Thorne, though he has more experience as a quarterback, came in considerably behind in the room because he's the newest guy there. So for him to have a worse day than guys who have been there for a while, that's actually not the weirdest thing to hear in the world when he has less time in the room than the other guys do. In the system, in throwing with the guys, all of that. Yeah, the only thing I will add is the the things that I'm hearing that he's struggling with a little bit right now aren't about system. It's just about going out and throwing the ball consistently and being accurate. That's it. I'm, I'm not hearing that he's struggling with the system. Well, no. I, so my point is not necessarily about the system. I'm talking about his time just being in there with the guys that are in that room and understanding. And he tried to make it make that up as much as he could this summer, by all accounts. He's yeah, trying to go out there and throw with as many guys as he possibly can. But it, it's different when you get into a scrimmage than throwing against air. Right. We hear that all the right. time. Right. How right. somebody well, runs a particular – which is why, actually, Coach Freeze said he had a lot of issue with some, some of what the wide receivers were receivers doing. Receivers were doing. Right, yeah. right, right. Because so, like how you run a route against air and how you run a route against coverage is going to be different. So I, I guess my, my point to all this is, is that these guys went out and uh, all of them showed some different things. One thing that I think I've consistently in my mind is is that Robbie has been too consistently uh, in this race. Uh, he brings something that the other two don't bring. And even in the open media viewing periods that we get when they do like team stuff, they've even called plays for him different, differently, acknowledging his athleticism. A lot of called runs and, you know, I mean, you can't not use it. So when you that, and and this is why I think he's in the top two no matter what. I I believe that I believe he's in the top two no matter what. I think it's going to be really difficult for him to finish three in this race uh, because he gives you a dynamic that the other two don't have, and it is a pretty good fail safe for when pass protection breaks down in this league. Yeah, no, for sure. Having a guy and who can actually will. move right, yeah, and we saw him do it against elite competition. Now, I worry about his health. At some point, when a guy gets injured and then gets injured again and then gets injured again, you worry about his health. So I I don't know that I want to see him run the ball that much because I want to see him stay healthy. If you watch the fireside, I was about to say he admitted he don't want to run the ball that much either. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we I asked him about that block that he threw because a lot of people assumed that he hurt his shoulder on that block, and he said no, it happened you know a few plays before that. Uh, but you don't want to see him put himself in harm's way a lot. But and, and like I said, he mentioned he said I want to stay in the pocket. Luke was joking with him, but he almost kind of took offense to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, wait a minute, I can stay in the pocket too. Give me the time, run your routes right, and give me a chance to stay in the pocket. So if we're to believe that this O-line is better, I, I just don't know how people can't like Holden to improve significantly behind a better O-line. I think the bias, I think the, the bias with, with Holden, what I'm seeing is, I think a lot of people have wrote him off as being able to be an RPO-style QB, considering Harson recruited him to be a a statue in the pocket in his offense. Holden is good. The, the belief the belief the belief is that he could not transition to actually learn how to play and be an RPO QB in this offense. I, I think that Thorne raises the floor in this QB room so much that if one of the other two actually win the job, you should feel really good about them beating him out. Yeah, correct. Yeah. 
I, I don't see any of this, but anything is a positive for the. I'll say it again because th- these are the comments that get glossed over. All of this, I think, is a huge positive for Hugh Freeze. Okay. On that note, because you remember I asked this going into camp. I was like, some questions. If this competition heats up, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I think us having more context in terms of what we're hearing from scrimmages, it sounds like a good thing. A because thing. Hugh Freeze is already giving them positives. No one's turning the ball over. Yeah. They're running the offense in the way that he wants to see it done. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the competition has heat is heating up. Well, let me add this, Caesar. The only way it's not a good thing is 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 that if what Brian mentioned earlier, if what you do in practice doesn't translate to the field, <laughs> right? Sure. Then you then you accidentally pick the wrong guy. Sure. What you hope is 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 that what you're seeing in practice is real. This is why we believe it's so important to go ones versus ones. Mm-hmm. And practice. Test it and make sure it's real. It's what makes Georgia and Bama and and, and Ohio State, some of these guys, so good. Because they're not facing tougher competition week in and week out than they're seeing in practice. Yep. Yep. I'm going against five-star in practice. Courtney Taylor said, hey, man, if I beat Carlos Rogers, who's going to stop me? He won the Thorpe. He was the best DB in all of college football in 2004. And sometimes, if you ask Courtney, it was every play, but, like, he was beating them. (laughs) Creating that competition and that environment and practice, I think, is what's creating the dogs that Hugh Freeze is going to need on Sunday to go out and beat every opponent or have a chance to beat every opponent. So you're hoping that these quarterbacks are getting that sort of, you know, pressure. Uh, You know, I had had heard some comments about the quickness of Eugene Mm -hmm. and how when he gets, I mean, he'll force you out of the pocket quick. He'll make you go to plan B really quick is what I'm hearing. I'm like, wow, that's a good thing. He's creating some adversity for them to have to work through. So when you have a defense that can create adversity for the offense and an offense that can handle that adversity, you've got a formula for putting a really good football team on the field on Saturdays. Right. So we'll see how it goes. Listen, man, uh, camp isn't over. (laughs) I I tried to add the caveat that all this can change rapidly. I think that's how good this competition is. Right. I just I just think there's a really good competition going on. There's too many people that write off the guy with the least experience. And, and I just don't I, like I I hate I such a lazy way of thinking about this. He's the only he doesn't have experience, so he gets automatically third. Okay. Well, you know the last coach did that. Um yeah. so. well, you know what? One part of well, first of all, uh Mike, it doesn't matter how carefully you phrase and word yourself. People are going to hear and mishear what you say. They're going to hear what they want to hear, and they're going to mishear what you say. We've seen that plenty. But one thing that's very interesting about these discussions is it's crazy to me how— why would you pick a quarterback to ride with instead of the team? Like, if if I was like, man, Peyton Thorne's going to be the man, but Holden Gurner looks like he's going to be the dude— why does it matter if Holden Gardner's the dude or Peyton Thorne's the dude? Like, why does that matter hmm. at all? And even more, even if you were biased against Robbie Ashford because of what he did last season, you say, oh, well, I don't care if he was hurt. He threw for 49% and, and he didn't look good 90% of the season, so I don't think he should get another shot. Okay, if that's true, do you think Hugh Freeze wants to put a 49% pass-completing quarterback out there. Do you think so? If Robbie Ashford were to win the job, 
are you stupid enough to think that Hugh Freeze is stupid enough to go, man, I got to have the guy with the lowest completion percentage possible. Give me that dude. Do you think you're going to see the performance from last year if he's the starter? Right. What, What about a different quarterback than you thought should win the job is a negative thing as long as we are good. I don't, I don't understand liking one quarterback over another quarterback saying they did it this year. This year with this team under this coaching staff, they look bad. All right, now I don't want to see this dude no more. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I, so that's what this this is this is my thing, right? Like, I think that there's a mixed bag of people who are upset at the assessment that Peyton Thorne could potentially be number three, right? Mm-hmm. There are the people who believe that there's no way that Peyton Thorne could be behind Robbie Ashford if we're shuffling the deck. If at worst he should be number two, Robbie Ashford's definitely number three if Peyton Thorne's not one, right? Yeah. And then there are people who believe that Robbie should have come in at number two. So if Peyton Thorne isn't number one, Robbie should automatically be number one. And what I'm saying is everybody needs to throw out their preconceptions. And and this is the weird thing that we got into year one under Coach Harson, which is when you like the decisions that the coach is making or you like our assessment of whatever happens with that, it's, or excuse me, you dislike what we're saying, it's trust the coach. Trust the coach he knows, trust the coach he knows. And I think undoubtedly we're always the ones saying we trust the coach until we see the results and we're like, all right, coach, you got to show me something else then. Like I, I trusted your initial assessment, cool, when it don't when i don't like those results let me see something different and everybody else is starting out and saying but this is where it should land and if it doesn't land that way and you guys don't agree with me that that's how it's supposed to go you're wrong and i'm right. like what happened to well, trust the coach well what you, what, you just trusting the coach a minute ago now all of a sudden coach wrong well, well what i'll say is you'll see a lot of people hedge as well too They'll make a lot of very indefinitive statements about i'm, you know, I'm what okay they with hedging right right yeah but i'm saying you uh i I, I tend to take harder stances on where I feel like it's going or no stance at all. And what I'm telling you right now is on the QB race, because there was somebody on, uh, that was trying to like, so you still think Thorne. And I'm just like, no, similar to Hugh Freeze, right? You can't just stick to an initial take because that was your take. When there is clearly, when there's clearly new information to consider. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and how it's going? Do I still think Thorne is going to win the job? I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't know I, how you I, can be I, sure. I, I, it's not going to be sure by anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. I expected I expected him to do a lot better than what I've heard he's done the first week in camp. Same. That's I mean that's where I'm at, and it doesn't mean that he still doesn't have time to make up this 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 time. I mean, if you go back and listen to the interview that we did with Chris Todd, the many interviews we done with Chris Todd, he talks about what it's like. To go in on decision day and have no idea where you stand in the race. He had, I can say he had no idea. He said they called him in the third, and he was just thinking, well, I was taking reps third in practice. So that means I, I finished third. <laughs> Gus and G built that moment for maximum drama, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, they did. But when they told him that he was going to be the starting quarterback at Auburn University, he was he was shocked. But they felt like he had shown the consistency and practice and done the things that he needed to do to win the job. Now, he went out. What did he do that year? He went out and he set a record for most TDs thrown by a QB at Auburn that year in a season. 
So he validated their decision to do that, and he won it with no spring. That's how quickly you can make up time with just consistency. It worries me just a little bit that some of the consistency things may have been an issue based on what we've heard with Thorne the first week of camp. Yeah. Consistency is something that you should, that should come with experience. So I get that system is one thing. But to some extent, football is football. You go out there, you, you, throw, you, you throw one screen pass, you throw them all. <laughs> is your ball placement good? Like, you know, are you leading the receiver right? Are you making the right reads regardless of how the play turns out? And if that's being done inconsistently, then uh, uh, there may be a problem. The other thing uh, that, that I've heard is, is that he may be playing a little tight, trying really hard not to make a mistake. And the other two are playing like they have nothing to lose. I mean, when you're yeah. coming in and everybody's doubting <laughs> you, you almost do have nothing. Mm. To yeah, lose. right. Yeah. Might but, as well just go out here and block. I'll say it again. Right. <laughs> Holden and, and Robbie seem to be playing with a I'm, I don't want to call it a reckless abandon, but just like, hey, man, let's go go all out. Yep. Make mistakes, make them hard. Let's make plays. And it, and it seems to have paid off for them. The other guy may be just which playing a little bit too want. tight. And, 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 yeah. He, yeah, and he just may need to just loosen up a little bit and, and, and do what he's done his whole career. He was, yeah. on, he was at the head of an 11-2 team. Yeah, Draw you, on that experience. <laughs> and here, just, here's and here's rip, the difference man. with him, though, right? Like, he literally just was in a QB battle at his old school, and the reason he left was because of a QB competition. He is, and he's got less shots at this now, right? Like, right. his eligibility's right. running out. Mm-hmm. He, he needs this. transfer again. Right, like, he needs this a little, he needs this now a little bit more than the other guys. The other two. Yeah, that's now. fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. You know what else I'll add, Ike, too? One thing that Hugh Freeze has to consider is I think that whoever finishes third in this race, if it's not uh, like it, between Robbie and Holden, it's probably gone. They're, yeah. probably, they're probably gone I mean, after that's the fair. season, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. You, you definitely have to consider that if you're Hugh Freeze, I think, because looking down the road, you're going to be leaning hopefully on a very experienced incumbent with a very young protege coming up behind them. Mm-hmm. Somebody that you've recruited and is younger and doesn't have any experience. Well, but if you know if if Holden finishes third in this thing, why would he stay? He's gone, right? Right. And I think if you're Robbie, even though he doesn't have the freeze transfer left, it's the same thing. You finish third in this race, you've got to start looking at other options if you want to be a college QB. Yeah. Right. So I mean, after you've had so many shots at it. Uh, you know, and, and he's got to keep that in mind. He's got to keep this. He's got to somehow keep everybody engaged because you're going to need the backup at some point. Yeah. So I don't. I don't we don't have to do predictions again. It's so. It's so much we we're learning about this QB room. But if you're Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery, how do you handle the next week? Considering what Mike just laid out, well, how well, do you approach this next week? Next, like, what what are you looking for? Well, I think I think the question that I have is is that has Hugh Freeze after he watched the tape actually narrowed it down to two, right? Hmm. Did he did he actually narrow it down to two, or does this thing extend a little bit further into the week than they anticipated? Trying to figure out who those top two are because he said ten days down to two, which is right. the day after scrimmage. So today, that's today. He should yes. be making a decision. One guy is going to just be. 
thank you for your service. Please stand on the side while these other two duke it out. Hey, that's what you said now. So maybe you, I would, I would appreciate if he said, you know what, that's what I said. But it's too close. We got to keep three in here because we got to find out who's going to be the best. And that scrimmage wasn't enough to tell us. Again, I love to see him on the fly as he goes. That wasn't enough information. I thought I would be able to make the decision after 10 days. I can't. We're going to keep it going so we can get some more information on these guys. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. And I I know this is going to get a lot of heat. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) But I'll I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, right? I absolutely 100% refuse to engage anybody in the we spent too much money on Thorne so he has to play uh, discussion. If that is really a factor in this this thing, we got the wrong coach. Yeah. Mm. I'm telling you. So I refuse to believe. I refuse to believe that NIL money that was given out not by Auburn University is a factor in who he chooses at quarterback. We spent too much. Give me a break. That's not happening anywhere with a championship culture. You see that happening in the NFL to teams' detriments frequently. Riding with a guy that you paid money to. Very few teams actually go, you know what? This guy who just got here is so much better than you that I just paid a lot of money to. Sit on the bench. We got you in case things go wrong. But this dude's just better. We're going to ride with him. You know what I think at the pro level, B? That money guarantees that that guy gets a a better than fair shot. Right. But ultimately, if you're the coach, you got to play who gets you wins. Yeah. And you're they're never going to chastise you ch- chastise you for winning, not with the guy that you paid a lot of money for, as long as you win. Mm-hmm. Right. So think about it this way. Uh, I know this, this is not exactly NIL, but to me, if you're looking at like a Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels type situation, theoretically, JT Daniels was the guy they paid a lot of money for. Yes. The guy they invested a ton in. Mm. And then you got walk on Stetson Bennett. And Kirby said. Doesn't matter how much we invested in this guy. It doesn't matter how much we thought he was going to be the guy. And everybody thought that first championship run, when is he going to go back to JT? Mm-hmm. When is he going to go back to JT? And he said, no, man, we're riding with Stetson. Bold move, Kirby. It paid off. All the way to, to the tune of a back, back-to-back championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Ike, you remember when, when I said, hey, man, I think Stetson's going to have to raise his game if they're going to go back-to-back in this thing. Mm-hmm. Georgia fans came in our comments and they were like, what are you talking about? Our defense will save, will cure cancer, right? And I'm like, what are you, like, I know he's going to have to play better. He can't play the way he played last year and and them not lose a game, (laughs) certainly. And what did he do? He was one of the top passes in the nation last year. 4,500 yards. And it all goes back to the decision not to abandon him the season before. Mm-hmm. Because you invested in one guy a little bit more uh, more than you did you, the walk-on who you really invested nothing in. He walked on. <laughs> so I, I just, again, for the people in the back, if we're really saying that investment in Thorne is a factor in, in, in whether he plays or not, that's really disappointing. And I'll tell you what, I, that's that's not what you pay six, $6 million a year for. You pay $6 million a year for the coach to make the tough decision in spite of those things. That's Those are the geniuses. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I know B Down plays it, but I'll go back right to to um, you know, kind of like Saban pulling Hurts in the in the national championship at, at halftime. You had one guy who was your guy. You invested. He started a lot of games for you. Mm-hmm. I if they, if they had left him in and they had lost that game, I don't think anybody would have really t- toasted Saban for that for not putting a true freshman in at halftime. They probably would have lost. But oh, yeah. I still I still think it was a I think I thought still thought it was a bold move to do to throw a guy in like that, man. A freshman. You recruited well enough that he went in there and he gave you just enough juice to win it. And you look great. Yeah. That's what that's what I'm talking. That's what you pay top dollar for, though. A lot of guys would have been scared to make that decision. If I'm going to lose it, I'm going to lose it making the safe decision because nobody will toast me for that. <laughs> Go bold, man. What would be bolder <laughs> than holding and coming from the back of the pack when nobody was talking about him We're seriously winning this job and they're winning it? I it'd think that would amazing. be something. It'll be, it'll be an amazing story for sure. Right. Uh-huh. Or Robbie, the guy who everybody essentially wrote off because, again, they cannot they – cannot Conceive that he raised his floor somehow over the, the offseason. But that was supposed to be the Peyton Thorne effect, right? That's part of why you brought him in. Yes. Either he's going to win the job or these other dudes are going to raise their game if they want to compete with him. If you want to compete with 2,800 yards, for a 2,800 yard floor, Rob uh, Holden has to raise his game from like zero to 100. Right. And Robbie's got to turn up from 60 to 90. That's part of why you brought him in, to create this, to improve the other guys. And I think that has worked. Even even if your guy may not, even if he's not living up to the expectation after one scrimmage, and again, he can come back next scrimmage and just just, murder it and go off. Thorne can turn on. I'm so excited to hear what comes from it. I don't know how anybody could not be excited about this. I prefer this over the fact that you have a clear number one and the other two are like, there's a gap between two and three. Like, I'm happy to hear this versus we know who the number one guy is and it's not even close. That was Malzahn for about 10 years. Robbie Robbie Ashford, to me, has, has the most to gain from improving his floor because of the intangibles that he brings. If he improves his floor, you play him. <laughs> yeah. You play him. In this league, having a quarterback that's just as athletic as anybody he's going to face opposite side of him on the ball is just such an advantage to have. Sure. It makes defenses sure. play you 11 on 11. If he cannot, then you've got to look at assuming that the offensive line is going to play to a level that allows those guys to sit in the pocket a majority of the time. Um, you've got to look at the other two. Right. And, and I don't know why Holden would be left out of that, man. He was a highly regarded recruit. He's got a great arm. I would argue he's got he's the best arm talent in that room. He's the best pure pocket passer. And he deserves a shot. This is the first time in a long time I feel like we've had a real QB battle. Yes. This yes. feels like a real QB battle. I, I don't I don't see that as anything but positive, no matter who wins it.